listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Huda Nation? Happy Halloween. Welcome into another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. This particular episode is brought to you by DraftKings. This was a crazy win, a crazy weekend for the New Orleans Saints. And it's one of those where you have the emotional high in the sense that they knock off the bucks and you're feeling great about where this team might be because you're five and two. You're in the thick of things in the NFC South. And then you also think about losing Jameis Winston, and that is absolutely traumatic. And I'll talk about that injury in a little bit. But then you also have the emotional high of a P.J. Williams pick six, which I never would have imagined. If you told me that someone was going to come up with a game-winning play, it'd be P.J. Williams, a pick six off Tom Brady. I wouldn't have thought it, but it was a crazy game. Before we get into all the details, what I loved, what I didn't like, and man, there was a lot that I didn't like. And believe it or not, a lot of it wasn't from the Saints. It was from either Troy Aikman or the Bucks. But I'll talk about that. But before I do, I want to tell you guys a little bit about DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, they have you covered this year. They have new games. And if you do, you can bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you can win $200 in free bets. Now, if your sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. You can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. You need to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. You could use the promo code at the bottom of the screen, SUS, for straight-up Saints. You can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code SUS this week on DraftKings. Once again, SUS. You must be 21 or older to participate in New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, this was probably, guys, the most wild game we're going to get this season. I thought the intensity level was absurd. Absolutely absurd. I thought that both teams were chippy from the start. They were ready to go. And I think the Bucs wanted to send a message. I think the Bucs wanted to push around the Saints to kind of show that they belong, that they are the team to beat in the NFC South. And granted, I know they're the defending champions, and it kind of sounds crazy to say that the Bucs need to prove themselves. However, if you watch this game and you look very closely, I thought the Bucs came in and they really felt like they needed to show the Saints that it's their division now. And even though that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, they need to knock off the Saints and show it's their division. Now, I'm not saying the Saints are going to win the South, but the Saints were not going to let them punch them in the mouth. Alvin Kamara talked about this being the bat game. And you think about the bat game, you think of Reggie Bush coming out of the tunnel. That's what it felt like. I thought there was going to be a fight at any given moment. Both these teams were going after each other's throats the whole time. It was absurd. But I think it was a statement win. I think it was a win for the Saints team that could elevate them emotionally speaking. Now, the downside is what's going on with Jameis Winston. We'll find out more. I know the fear is ACL and MCL. I pray that's not the case, but it definitely didn't look good. Does it hurt their outlook? Yes, but I'm going to tell you why in a little bit why I still think it's a playoff team, regardless of the quarterback situation. Before I do that, though, some questions I want to pull up on the screen before I get into what I loved and what I didn't love about this game for you asking yet. Yeah, for some reason, guys, the reason I keep promoting the YouTube link on Twitter is Twitter comments no longer come in on live streams. And I know that you guys love to drop your comments in and I love bringing them up on the screen to answer them. So if you guys are listening to this on Twitter, go to my recent tweet. Just hit the, the link for the YouTube one. Hop in. And I'll pull your questions up throughout the live stream. I know you guys are amped up about this win. So there's a lot um, to talk about. Yeah, look, that game was ridiculous. And even if you just watch like me watching from the TV screen, you can tell that that dome was just popping, especially towards the end. It was amazing. And I think one worry, and I talked about this with a couple of Saints pod, podcasts a couple of weeks ago 
I was like, are the Saints losing their Superdome magic? Man, I think we all spoke a little bit too soon. The magic was absolutely there, and they stepped up. I think adding Mark Ingram just gives you a little bit more of an emotional and physical boost. So it was a big win. We'll see what happens there. Um, before I'll, I'll answer this question that I just pulled up. You guys asking about the quarterback situation. Before I get into what I liked and didn't like about this game, I think that the Saints are going to roll with what they have. Now, uh, would it shock me if the Saints just peek around before the trade deadline on Tuesday? No, it wouldn't shock me. And I think they should do their due diligence. But I think it's probably Simeon, Taysom, Book. Those are your dudes in the room with, obviously, my opinion, Taysom being the starter when he comes back from his concussion. But we'll see what happens there at the end of the day. It's a big win. And I think that this is going to propel them to greater heights. Now, this is a funny one that you guys brought up. And I I, I actually didn't tweet about this because I didn't want to just deal with the comments of this. But a lot of people brought up, hey, do they bring Drew back? Would he be interested? I don't think so. I think the ramp-up period, and Drew's a legend, obviously, but the ramp-up period for him to get going, you're talking about maybe like week 12, week 13, he's ready to go. And that that just seems pretty wild to me. So I just don't see it happening. But um, it was really it's a situation that'll be really funny in terms of a Hollywood thing, but I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think you stick with the room or if, if who knows, maybe there's someone out there to trade for, but I don't really think that's the case. So I think you stick with the room you had, but it was an intense game. And you guys asked, put Troy, uh, Troy Eggman in a volcano. Let's talk about it. Cause I said, I want to talk about things I didn't like and things I did like. How about we start with what I didn't like, and then we'll get to the positive. So let's start about what I didn't like, because there were some things from this game that I did not like. And let's just talk about one first. I'm not one to call another team dirty consistently. I rarely do it. But I thought that the Buccaneers played this game with like a reckless intent. Like there was a point in this game, especially the second quarter, where every pass Simeon was throwing, he was getting hit way after the throw. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, man, are they trying to knock him out? Because Book's inactive. Taysom's inactive. Jameis is now out. You got no other quarterbacks. And I kind of thought to myself, is that what was going on? I'm not saying that's what did happen. But I was, I was just baffled. And then on top of that, not only do those dirty hits happen, those dirty hits happen to the quarterback position. And Troy Aikman's stupid ass for Fox Sports is sitting there defending the defensive players on the Bucs and saying, I didn't see that. That's not a dirty hit. We shouldn't be calling that. What's the officiating crew doing? Like, first off, man, Troy Aikman, you played quarterback. Why do you not want quarterbacks to get uh, get protected? Just because you took massive hits back then in the 90s and the game was not safe for quarterbacks back then does not mean that it shouldn't be safe for quarterbacks now. I just think that's wild. And again, I'm not like, I know a lot of people get on Joe Buck's case and Joe Buck didn't do this game because he's working the world series, but I'm always baffled by people yelling at Joe Buck when Troy Aikman's the biggest problem because Troy Aikman goes into every game, making it very clear, very clear who he's going to root for. There's three people and three teams. I'll say he always roots for the Cowboys, which I'll give it to him. That's your team. Fine. He is always rooting for the Packers because him and Joe Buck love them some Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? Apparently everyone in the media does, so whatever. And he loves whatever team Tom Brady is playing for. And at some point in this game, when the Saints went up 23-7, to he literally sounded depressed. Like, he sounded like he did not want to watch this game, and he had no interest. And it wasn't until the Bucs made the comeback, which, by the way, shitty officiating, I'll, that'll be my next point, it wasn't until the Bucs made the comeback where Troy started being a little bit more animated. But other than that, he was complaining about the team's situation. He was making fun of Trevor Simeon. He was making fun of the calls that the refs were making, which, by the way, the calls were warranted. So I just thought it was a shitty performance. And frankly, I never want to hear Troy Aikman call another Saints game. I know he will because the Saints are a good enough team and they're and they're a big enough name that they're going to be in these primetime games under the lights where everyone's watching. So I get that. But he stinks. He absolutely stinks. All he does is rip on this team. And I would get it if the New Orleans Saints suck, but the Saints are 5-2. and two. They're 5-2, and two, man. So enough of the shit. I don't want to hear Troy Aikman anymore. I'm done with him. 
Uh, I think he's terrible. And next time that Fox does it and Troy Aikman's there, I'm just going to leave it on mute or I'll put on the radio broadcast because it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to this point that this man, literally his CT is kicking in where he's saying, oh, yeah, no, it's okay. You can cheap shot Trevor Simeon. That's allowed. Like, that is just nuts. It's just nuts to me. Uh, now, another thing I didn't like, what the hell was that call on Leonard Fournette? Now, look, the Saints won, so it's all groovy. It's all gravy. It's all good. But Leonard Fournette caught the football, and I get it. He kind of juggled it a little bit, but then he caught it and took three steps and fumbled. And then it goes into Chauncey Garner-Johnson's arm, and now he gets a little too cute with it. He fumbles, but then recovers it. They rule it incomplete. Buck score two plays later. Had he fumbled it into the end zone and Gardner Johnson picked it up, fumbled it, and a Bucks player recovered it for a touchdown, you bet your ass that play from Fournette is being ruled a fumble. It's just crazy to me. And what's crazier is they ruled it a fumble initially. And by rule, if you're going to overturn something, guys, and you guys know this, it needs to be clear and conclusive. There was nothing conclusive from the video replays, and we all had the same angles that said that it was incomplete. But refs are going to ref. Thankfully, it didn't cost them the game. But that was it. And one more thing I'm going to talk about real quick before I get into some positives, because there was way more positives than negatives, guys. Like, I am very, today, I have way more confidence in the Saints than I had this whole season. Way more confidence today than I've had in them the whole season. I'll tell you guys in a sec. But last thing real quick, Brian Johnson, he missed an extra point. The Saints can't have that, because that extra point almost loomed really large towards the end of this game. And I thought Brian Johnson's done a good job of hitting big kicks. He hit one last week against Seattle, hit one this week against Tampa. But extra points, you got to hit them. Because I think Brian Johnson's done a good enough job that I'm saying, okay, you're the dude for now, but if you're going to be the kicker for the whole season, you cannot miss extra points in a big game like that. Every point matters. You guys all know that. Now let's get into some positives. Actually, before I do positives, let me put up some questions for you guys. I'll do that. That makes more sense for me. So let's pull it up. Uh, Troy be hurting my health with awful takes. Yeah, look, dude, Troy is the worst. I, I said this, I've said this for years and I'll keep saying it. I think Joe Buck's actually solid at his job. I think Troy Aikman's terrible. Troy Aikman's there because he's Troy Aikman. That's what he is. Also, whatever respect was left for the Bucs after the uh, continuous dirty hits and Winfield taunting injured James Winston. Yeah, let me get into that real quick. You mentioned that. So do I know if the Bucs were going to, you know, intentionally being dirty? No, I don't. And I'm not going to accuse them of it. I just found it like suspicious, the hits they're making. But when James Winston goes down with what was clearly a serious injury because the man had to be carted off the field. And by the way, James is a tough dude. So he had to get carted off the field. You know it's legit. To do the heat a W... On an interception, which, by the way, poetic justice, that thing got called back and the Saints scored like two plays later. So joke's on you, Antoine Winfield. For you to do that, man, I'm not saying you're an idiot, but read the room. Like, read the room. Like, understand that that's not the thing to do. Celebrate it, because at the time you thought it was a pick, but there's anything else you could do. To, to do the E to W, and then you actually said E to W to the camera, and I, I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm great at reading lips, but it was very clear you did that. Read the room, dude. Read the room. I thought that was really stupid. I think sticking with Trevor, quarterback, and having Taysom uh, stay at his usual weapon spot might be better now than need playmakers. Look, I know a lot of people are going to say that. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but I think Taysom Hill is going to be the starter for the Saints. I feel very confident about that, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. And I thought Trevor Simeon, real quick, let me just mention this. I thought Trevor Simeon did as well as he possibly could in this situation. You come into this game where this is the Jameis Winston revenge game against the Bucs. And this means a lot. This means so much. This is the team that knocked you out of the playoffs. And Trevor Simeon's preparing like he's going to play, but in the back of your head, you don't think you're actually going to be there. And to him come in and you start off hot, this team's going well. But for the Saints to reel towards the third, third quarter, reeling in the fourth quarter, and when you need to make some throws, man, he had to throw to Deontay Harris, he had to throw to Marquez Callaway. And yeah, they didn't score on that last drive that you know really could have set the tone. But to put him in that position and to play the way he played, I'm t I don't have a cap on my head, guys, but if I did, I'd be tipping it 
to Trevor Simeon. I thought he played so well in the situation he came in. And I know that the stat line's not going to be, you know, gaudy at 16 for 29, 159 and a touchdown, but he didn't turn over the football. He didn't cost his team the game. And when they needed a score and they were down 27 to 26, guess what? They got in field goal position. And yeah, we can argue about Sean Payton's bad play calling, time management, whatever you want to say, but Simeon did his job. So I tip my cap to Simeon. I thought Simeon played really well. And remember, this is a player who has started for the Denver Broncos before, and I thought he did exactly, exactly what he was supposed to do. And that's why good backups, you tip, you tip your cap to them every single time. Kind of gross, but Nick Foles, I'm assuming you're asking, should the Saints trade for Nick Foles? My answer would be no. I actually think that the difference between Nick Foles and Trevor Simeon right now is probably not big. And then on top of it, Simeon knows the system. No disrespect to Nick Foles. The dude is a Super Bowl MVP. He's a really you know, great guy. I just don't think the Saints need to do that. Do you think we'll look at Cam Newton? I think this is another question that a lot of people are going to bring up. I think if Sean has a vision for Cam Newton, why not? But if he doesn't and he kind of thinks that this is the room and Taysom and Trevor are better options right now, Cool, I'll, I'll live with it. Uh, I think this obviously is going to hurt. Jameis is clearly your best quarterback, and to not have him is going to sting, and it, and it really hurts because this is it. This was it for Jameis Winston. This is your chance to show you can be a starter in this league, and frankly, he's done a good job, a fishing job so far, and for it to happen where you get hurt against that team, the one that you know deep down that you want to beat that team bad, and the Saints still did, which is great, but for that to happen, I thought that was a little upsetting. I, I really do feel for him. My heart breaks for him. Um, and I'm just waiting on the bad news that we're going to get because it just seems like it's going to be something season ending. But do I think the Saints should go after Cam or, or Foles? I'm always a believer if Sean is in, is he, if he's in, excuse me, can't speak there. If he's in on them, do it because Sean knows way more than I do. But this is a team that is just damn good. Damn good. And yes, I thought Simeon against a good D line. What'd he do? If he got pressured, he threw the ball away. I, I thought, again, tip my cap to him. Pretty sure Taysom will be the starter, but I'd personally have uh, rather have Trevor. Look, I'm going to get into why I think Taysom should and will be the starter, but I look, if they go with Simeon, I'm going to trust Sean's opinion, um, and I think that the Saints are good enough defensively and are really running the football well now. Guys, they ran for over 150 yards against the Bucs. The Bucs have one of the best run defense, if not the best run defense. I think it actually is the best run defense in the NFL. They ran for over 150, and when you run the football well and – you're playing great defense. I think you could have anyone back there and you're going to be in games. Whether or not you win them is a different story, but you're going to be you're going to be winning games uh consistently. The rough the call uh passer call on D was eerie similar, if not the exact uh, exact same type of play, a targeting call. Look, I so this is my problem with this game, man. Roughing the pass is a problem. Like it's it, it is a problem, and the league's calling too many ticky tack ones, and yet I, I keep focusing on the ones that they're not calling that are actually worse than the ones that they are calling. Like I say it every week and I'm a broken record that NFL officiating is bad, but NFL officiating's reached the point where I like, what are you watching? Like, can you please show me what game you're watching? It maybe I'm not understanding something correctly, but I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. it. It is, it is wild to me. Um, what's going on now, before I get into Jameis's situation real quick, I, I just want to say something about two specific coaches, Sean Payton and Dennis Allen, need more respect. And Sean Payton, he gets it from a lot of people. Like he gets the respect and you put him in the conversation for best coach. But you know what? You always, there's always an if or a but or like, he's great, but this guy's better. But like, no, enough. This is a five and two football team that has played two games in the Superdome this year that had their whole schedule messed up because of Hurricane Ida, had to rearrange everything, that lost Michael Thomas, knew they were going to have him for the first couple of games. And now it's the first two months of the season that he's already missed. 
you don't have your RB2. You don't have Armstead for a little bit. You don't have McCoy for a little bit. Now, great. They come back. Guess what? Andrews Pete's out. Marcus Davenport's missed a bunch of time. David Onyemata just played his first game. By the way, he looked damn good in his first game. Quan Alexander goes on IR. You lose a bunch of guys left and right. And yet, you don't have a kicker. And yet, you're five and two. And you've beaten two teams that everyone are considering the favorites to win the NFC, the Bucs and the Packers. You beat both of them by more than a touchdown for both teams. And you won't get the respect. And how about Dennis Allen? If you take away the playoff game, which, by the way, Drew Brees played bad in and Jared Cook had the most (laughs) terribly timed fumble ever, Dennis Allen has owned Tom Brady the last three regular season meetings. He's owned Tom Brady. And you can give me the four touchdowns that Tom Brady had today, and I get it. And, and, you know, one of them was on a coverage bust where uh, Grayson had that uh, that wide-open touchdown. But Dennis Allen has owned Brady in terms of forcing him into bad situations where turnovers are happening. Week, the week one game last year, pick six to Norris Jenkins, had a pick to Marcus Williams, had two picks there. The following time, I mean, he had a pick to Yamada, he had a pick to Marcus Williams, he had a pick to Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, he was handing them out like candy. This time, you got the pick to CJ Gardner-Johnson, you got the game ceiling interception of PJ Williams. Dennis Allen needs more respect. And I, I don't want to say it too loud because I don't want Dennis Allen to leave for a head coaching job because I really think he's been so good. But man, he's got to get more respect because when this Saints defense plays the way they've played, and they're able to consistently beat Tom Brady, that does not happen. Tom Brady's the type of dude he loses to you. He recalibrates. He figures it out. But against Dennis Allen, Dennis Allen's had his number the last three regular season meetings. And and frankly, I thought the defense played fine in the playoff game. It was just Cook and Breeze. Bad turnovers at bad times cost them the game, cost the momentum. So Dennis Allen, give him more respect. Let me answer a couple more questions, then I'll get into uh, Jameis Winston real quick. But... Who should be our cornerback two? A lot of shifting between. Look, I, I think cornerback two is still a Debo. But I think what the Saints need to do a better job of, and I think they did it a little bit today, but it still wasn't enough in my opinion. Garner Johnson in the slot against Godwin was a mismatch. Godwin was just running through. I mean, Godwin finished his game with 140, ca- uh, 140 catches, 140 yards on eight catches and a touchdown. He was balling. And I don't think the Saints really adjusted well to that. Like I was trying to figure out when the hell they were going to make that adjustment and they really didn't. They basically just let Godwin just run all over this team. And I was a little upset with that. I thought the adjustment should have been a little bit better. But again, nonetheless, I still thought that this, the cornerback situation is not that bad. Now, the question is, and I think this is the better question for that to kind of go off this. When Antonio Brown plays the next time around, if he does, how do you address it? Do you not play Garner Johnson as much and you roll out three corners? Like, what's going on? I think Gar- uh, Garner Johnson was in there a lot, too, because Brown... He's not there. When AB's not there, you don't got to worry about having three legit outside corners. So I'm curious about that. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting. I think Jameis showed enough to keep his job in 2022 unless the Saints are in on Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. The QB draft class isn't anything special. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm going to I'm gonna talk about that now. Because So let's get into it. Let's get into Jameis Winston. And first off, my thoughts and my prayers go out to Jameis Winston. That was brutal to watch. And he's as tough as they get. And when he comes up, and then he has to go right back down. It's tough to watch because you feel for the dude. Because like I said, this was his game. This was his moment to beat the Bucs, to get that kind of revenge game feeling, and to give the Saints a chance at winning the South. You never know. You're only a game back. Only a game back. And you're only a game back in the win column. They both have two losses. So, man, they're there. For that to happen, for him to get injured, it stinks. Now, what are we talking about outlook-wise? I don't want to go too far, but just what I've seen. I think for the New Orleans Saints, this is how they're going to approach it. Again, this is just me speculating, but I do hope this is how they do it because I think it makes the most sense. I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft class that the Saints can realistically get. Like, if you could get Matt Corral, I would say, okay, I can see them, you know, developing him. 
but I don't think they're going to be able to. I think he's going to be overdrafted, like top 10, and I don't think he's a top 10 prospect. Does Desmond Ritter excite you? Does a Keaton Slovis? No, I mean, he's bust at this point. Sam Howell, not really, doesn't excite me. Um, I, I think Willis from Liberty is very exciting, but that's a kid that's going to get top 10 uh, hype because the quarterback class isn't that strong. I don't see enough from this quarterback class for me to say that I would want one, and I think this is the way the Saints got to do it. You keep your eyes on the big fish because as much as you love, love Jameis Winston, and I think his energy is infectious, I think that if you can get an Aaron Rodgers or you can get a Russell Wilson, you always do that because you're always looking to improve at the position. However, you need to find that delicate balance because the worst case scenario is let's say you go after them, you don't get them. What if you lose Jameis Winston as well? We'll see. But again, that's speculating. I think Jameis has done enough that he is a starter in this league. And I never questioned if he's a starter in this league. There's 32 quarterbacks. There are not 32 quarterbacks better than Jameis Winston. So there is a place for him in this league. I don't know what happens there with this team, but I am praying for him. I'm hoping he's all right. I know they keep saying ACL, MCL fear, but we'll see what happens. We'll, we really will see what happens, but I, I think that he's done enough to maybe come back for another year. But again, that's if the Saints can't get a bigger fish. And what I mean by that is if you get Ross or you get Roger and you feel like you definitely got it locked up, do it. And no one will complain if you get one of those guys. But if your option is draft, I don't know if that's great because I think this class is pretty weak. So we'll see what happens, but it's heartbreaking. As for what happens after, because a lot of you guys have been curious about what goes on next. How do the Saints approach this Jameis Winstonless stretch? And there's 10 games to go with my math. Yeah, all right. My math was almost failing me there. 10 games to go without Jameis Winston, assuming it's a season-ending injury. So let's go off that. Because I think if you do that, it sets you up for less disappointment because like when the injury happened in my mind, and I know it was terrible, but I went to the dark place and I thought the worst because Jameis dude plays through injuries all the time. Like, I don't think people realize in 2019, he played through a lot of injuries. He just did it because he's a baller. But when he goes down in my head, I'm thinking season ending. What does this team have? What is this team? You lose the deep passing attack, regardless if it's Simeon or Taysom Hill starting, you're losing that deep passing attack. And that sucks because Deontay Harris has done really well in that regard. What you do not lose, though, is the fact that I think the offense is going to kind of run the same that this Saints offense has done a lot to make sure they don't lose the Saints football games. Now, did the conservative shit cost them against the Giants? It absolutely did. But for the most part, it worked against Seattle. It worked a lot today against Tampa. It definitely worked against Washington. It has worked um, against New England. So I think the Saints are going to continue doing that. And I think we have to remember, Taysom Hill can be efficient. He will be frustrating because he's going to hold on to the ball too much sometimes. But these are things that we've seen from a lot of quarterbacks before. And I think for the Saints, the beauty, or at least a good thing, I should say, is that this offense was not high-flying. Because if this offense was high-flying and putting up 30 points per game and Jameis goes down, you feel like the season's over. Like you feel like you just got absolutely just punched in the face by Mike Tyson. You're not getting up. It's over. But when you have an elite defense, you have a ground game, which, by the way, you guys are asking about how I felt about Mark Ingram. I thought Mark Ingram brought some juice to the table. Some juice, man. Six carries for 27 yards and then two, uh, two uh, receptions, excuse me, for 25 receiving yards. He helps the screen game out. He gives them more toughness. He takes the pressure off AK. His usage will go up. I think this was a, a feel-out game for him. So you got a ground game that's getting better, guys. Much better. You have a defense that continues to prove to me that they can force turnovers and they can play great. And the worry I always had about the Saints defense was, do they play great yardage-wise but not force turnovers? Because I'd rather have the turnovers. Well, guess what, guys? They're forcing the turnovers. So that's big. Turnovers force, running the football well. Now, your offense just needs to be okay. And I'm not saying that Taysom Hill 
is going to be an upgrade because he's not. Jameis Winston is the best quarterback on this roster. There's no debate about that. So let me just get that out of the way because that is a fact. No question about that. But can Taysom Hill play efficient enough? And can the Saints get creative enough with the ground game to complement the defense and stay competitive? Yes. Because when Jameis goes down, my heart breaks for him. And I know that this team definitely takes a hit. But this is still a playoff team. This is a 5-2 and two football team in an NFC that is so top-heavy that after you get through the four best teams, five best teams in the NFC, you go, yeah, the Saints are a wild-card team. And there's no question in my mind about that. They are a wild-card team. And, and why I say that is, you still got games against the Falcons. You still got game, a game against the Panthers. You still got a game against the crappy Dolphins. You got a game against the Jets. There's a lot of winnable games on this schedule. And then you got to assume that even if they have a letdown game, all right, they'll probably win one that you don't think they were going to win. Like maybe the Bucks today or maybe the Packers in week one. It always happens. Always with this team. They play up to the competition. They play down to the competition. But they find a way to be a playoff team. And they're going to do it again. I think this is still a playoff team. And let's say the Saints finish the season 10 and 7, which is a playoff team, no doubt. That's only 5 and 5. I think they'll finish the season better than 5 and 5 in their last 10. But that's how low you can set the bar, and they're still a playoff team. You could say they just go 5 and 5 in their next 10 games, and they're making the playoffs. So I know a lot of us are going to be doom and gloom and very upset, but you should be more upset about Jameis not getting this chance because it really hurts, and I hurt for him. But do not think that this is not a playoff team anymore, though. Like, there's still the pieces here. And again, does Michael Thomas come back? If Michael Thomas comes back, remember last year he had 200-yard receiving games with Taysom Hill. Who do the Saints play next week? The Atlanta Falcons. Who did Taysom Hill beat twice last year? The Atlanta Falcons. I think that the blueprint's there. You got Nick Underhill just tweeted about five minutes ago that Taysom Hill's coming. He's close off that concussion. So a lot of you ask, hey, Chris, is it Simeon? Is it Hill? It's Taysom Hill for me. He knows the system a little bit better. Is he a starter? Probably not. But Trevor Simeon's not a starter either. And I think the upside of Taysom's a little bit higher. And yes, you lose a weapon of not having Taysom Hill as a tight end slash guy. You know what you should do, though? Go trade for a receiver. Go trade for a tight end. Go trade for just a gadget weapon that you could put on this team that takes over. You know, just because you lose Taysom in that slot doesn't mean you can't go get someone. Go get a Darius Slayton. Go get a, a you know a versatile tight end that's available if there is one that you you're interested in. Go get him. Go get a receiver like a Denzel Mims or James Washington. Who yeah are they gonna you know wow you know but are they an upgrade over what you got? Yes. Go do that. Go make the moves. Go do it. And again, you have a great defense here, so I think you can get by with an average offense because the defense is that great. And I think with Taysom Hill, he knows how to play against the Falcons. He's done it before. I know it's a new coaching staff, but I think that gives you confidence of knowing you can beat that team. And I think, again, you're going to ride on your defense, and when you do that, I'm not too worried. Now, am I upset because this, in the grand scheme of things, playoff-wise, it could hurt because you want Jameis back there? Yes. But I still think this is a playoff team. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't think I will be wrong, though. But I think for the Saints, this stress is the issue now. Can you get another weapon in the building? Because I think with Jameis, his big arm made up for a lot of things because if the play was there, yeah, he'll hit him deep. Taysom's not going to do that. Taysom does not throw good deep balls. Like, let's not trick ourselves. He does not go throw a good deep ball. Now, I know when he Fs one up, Sean's going to say he stubbed his toe or something, but go get another weapon. Go do it. Go get yourself another weapon. See what happens. But I absolutely think, if you're asking the question, can this defense carry this offense into the playoffs? Yes. Can they carry them through the playoffs? My answer is no. But I think that you can absolutely, with this defense, with this ground game, win games, and make the playoffs with Taysom Hill. Yeah, but look at the plays you lose with Taysom at QB. You absolutely lose them. You absolutely lose them, guys. But let me just tell you something here. 
I think if you play Trevor Simeon for the next 10 games, you guys are going to lose your minds collectively. I just feel like you guys are. And I thought Trevor Simeon did a really good job today, but guess what? The Bucs weren't prepared for Trevor Simeon and the Bucs weren't ready for Simeon to play. And after the first half, where he kind of like wowed a lot of us, there wasn't much until that last drive. And even that last drive, guess what? It was helped out by a couple penalties here and there. And granted, he made a big throw to Callaway, which was great. But, you know, once the Bucs settled in, they figured it out. Now you get teams to prepare a full week for Simeon. I think that hurts. And I think what Taysom gives you, if he just runs the damn football, is a element that other guys don't present. For example, Jameis presents an incredible arm that no one else on that Saints QB room has. And that is his special weapon. Taysom can run. The problem is he wasn't doing it. Now, can Taysom turn that switch? Can that internal clock kick in? I, I think maybe it could. I'm not going to bank on it because that's how you set yourself up for disappointment. But his legs give you an edge over Simeon. And I think it's just that simple for me as to why to go for him. What about Bookie? I'm guessing you're going Ian Book. I kind of like that, Bookie. Um, I don't think Ian Book's ready. Now, if the Saints go with Ian Book, man, I mean, it would be a Sean Payton move. It would shock the hell out of me. But I think that it, it is something where I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he's ready. He only had a chance to play in one preseason game the Ravens won. And other than that, remember, they had a preseason game canceled. So I don't think it'll be Ian Book. I think they're going to have to keep him active, in my opinion, just in case. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Simeon's best throw of the day was Callaway. I tweeted that, and man, I totally agree. That was the best throw that he made of the day, and it really set the tone because it kind of felt like you're losing a little bit of hope. Can they get in better, closer field goal range? That one definitely did, and I, I thought it was great. I think Sean loves Taysom so much. He'll give him that opportunity. I, I think so, too. Now, I know a lot of you guys will be on the flip side, but what if he game plans for Trevor? Sure, but I, I think Taysom Hill's a starter. And the reason I say that is, guys, the, the battle in the preseason was Jameis versus Taysom. Now, I don't think any of us really thought it was a battle. A lot of us thought that Jameis would win, and Jameis went on to win the battle, obviously. But it was Jameis versus Taysom. It wasn't Jameis versus Simeon. And Simeon, even if Taysom was active today, would have been the guy to replace Jameis. Because remember last year, when Drew went down, Jameis came in against the 49ers, and then Taysom started the following week. Sean will, in my opinion, go with Taysom. I think he's going to go with Taysom. I think the Saints will find ways to win. I think people will be frustrated, and the games will be close, and will be intense, and they'll be tight. But this is how the Saints have played football this entire season. So let's just keep rolling with it. So I think that for me, for me, it's Taysom. Now, I, I, don't, I don't think that Taysom makes this team a better football team. You're obviously a better football team with Jameis. But this idea about who you're going to go with, it's Taysom. And I, and I think I'm going to close the book there. Now, I want to say something real quick before I log out here, guys. The Saints, through week eight, I was always on the fence about how I feel about them. And I, I'm still not going to say this is a Super Bowl team. They're not. They're not yet. And I don't even know if they'll get there. Because there are a lot of deficiencies. And I think when you get to the playoffs and you play great teams, those flaws, they get magnetized. I feel so much better about this Saints team today than I feel about them throughout any point of the season. And the reason I say that is, going back to what I said in the beginning, the Bucks came out swinging figuratively, literally, they wanted to beat the Saints. They wanted this game bad. And you can tell. They started the game on the middle of the Saints field. They were chippy. They were ready to fight. And the Saints had every reason to lose this game. Your quarterback goes down. You still don't have all your weapons back. Tom Brady throws four touchdown passes. They take the lead. You lose your momentum. The refs make a bad call. Every reason to lose this game. And you don't. And you're 5-2 and two now. And all of a sudden... You're looking at your schedule and you're saying, maybe we can make a run to the point that, yeah, look, we're not competing for a one seed this year. That's not going to happen. 
but can they compete for maybe a home playoff game? Maybe. And worst case, a playoff game. And that's all you want. You want a chance, a ticket to the big dance. And when you get in, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Because when the Saints are supposed to do their thing, they haven't. So maybe even the weird year that they're not supposed to, they make a little magic happen. I'm not saying it will, but that's how that's this game. That's the beauty of football. But today, the Saints got punched in the mouth and they punched back. And they punched back harder than the Bucs did. And I know after Monday night, there were so many concerns about this team because they let the Seahawks hang around. What a win. What a win. And I, I don't know how you follow this up. Is there emotional letdown against the Falcons? I'm not sure. I think you 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 wake up for that Falcons game. And I think you're hyped. And I think the crowd played such a factor that I finally feel confident in them playing in the Dome again. Like, I know the Saints can go on the road and win. They did it in Seattle. They did it in New England. They did it in D.C. They did it in Jacksonville. You come home. The crowd is roaring. And now I feel a lot better about this team at home than I ever did. And I think that's really important because the Saints have a lot of home games coming up against teams that, let's be real, guys, on paper, they're better than the Saints. The Bills on paper are better than the Saints. The Cowboys on paper are better than the Saints. But guess what? Now I feel so much better that can the Saints win one of those games? Yeah. Could they compete in both of those games? Definitely. So we'll see what happens. My confidence level in this team is much higher now. When the Jameis news hits, will that hurt? Yes. Does that change the fact that this is a playoff team? I do not think so. But I thought the Dome was excellent, and I really am still feeling this team. And we'll see what happens. Dude. Guys, if they come out and they beat the Falcons, hypothetically speaking, you move to 6-2, and two, this team has gone through so much adversity, I don't know if a little bit more adversity is going to lead them over. Because I think that they're one of those groups that Sean keeps everyone so tight-knit that they rally around this. They, they literally breed on this. And I know you're going to mention it. Yeah, Nick said that Sean didn't like the crowd today. I think that was Sean's way of kind of getting more because I thought the crowd was great. And I think what Sean wants is that magic back. And I think this is Sean's way of saying, we're good. It can be better. That seems to do that. And you play a team like the Bills. You play a team like the Cowboys. You play a team like the Falcons next week. Those game-changing plays, you can force a turnover. You can force a full start, a holding, whatever it might be. You get these miscommunications and good things happen. So before I go out, guys, about two, three minutes, if you got any questions, comments about the Saints, Anything, drop them in. I'll answer them. I want to pull up any comments. And if you guys are watching on Twitter, go to the YouTube link that I dropped in. Join the chat. Drop any comments you want. We'll talk about the Saints, whatever you have. I'll do about five or six questions or so, and then we'll wrap up. I want to kind of watch the end of this Cowboys game, see what's going on there. But if you guys have questions, please drop them in the comment section, and I will be more than happy to answer it. It all comes down to throwing off cadence, and the crowd can really alter that stuff. They absolutely can, Mike. I think that's a great point. I think that the Saints crowd, Maybe it doesn't work against the Bucs, but man, when you play the Falcons next week, I think that can happen. I think when you play the Bills on Thanksgiving, that can happen. Your crowd can be such a factor. And it really is the reason why people say home field advantage. It gives you that edge. And I think for the Saints, when your defensive line has struggled, now I know they played really well in the closing minutes of today. It was just sacks galore at that point. I mean, you finish this game, Quan had a sack, uh, Tano had a sack, Cam had a sack. You get that. And you add a little firepower D-line that's been a little inconsistent, I think that's going to help tremendously. So it definitely does alter, and I think it does play a factor. And again, that's why you call it home field advantage. So I do think it matters. Should we trade for a wideout before November 2nd? If so, who? Yeah, the Saints should absolutely trade for a wideout. I think that for, for as for who, I think you're making calls about a Darius Slayton. I think you're making calls about a James Washington from the Steelers. Now, does that happen? Not 100% sure. I'm sure there are um, questions about who, maybe an Andy Isabella from the Cardinals. Their wide receiver charts loaded. Maybe Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. The Dolphins should be sellers. I mean, they're playing terribly at this point. But the, the point, you know, is 
any wide receiver, and, and Drew mentions this, and I, I appreciate it, any wide receiver would help out this team. I think that this team really is missing another weapon that opens up stuff. And, and I know that maybe Michael Thomas is that missing piece, but I think that's really stupid to just bank on Michael Thomas coming back and carrying a receiving corpse. Go get another weapon. Because not only does that help your offense, it also helps you in the sense that less pressure on a Michael Thomas. I think it just makes too much sense. Do you feel like any 10-plus sack team from this line in the season? Oh, do we have any? I, I don't know, but I think that the Saints, and I, I'm going to say no, but I think that the Saints have balance, and I think if Davenport can stay healthy, that's the key. Because when Davenport stays healthy, they get pushed. And now you got on your Mata back, and mind you, the Bucks O-line is actually pretty good. So I, I didn't know if they were going to get much push today. But I think you're going to finish with Amari having around like six and, and Cam having around like six and, and Davenport having around six. I just think it's going to be balanced across the board. And, and yeah, it sucks that they don't have that go-to pass rusher who's just going to dominate every snap. But I think there's worse. And, and maybe when Peyton Turner comes back from his calf injury, he'll give him a little bit of juice. They can absolutely use it. Tanoa always comes up with a clutch sack up the middle when we needed. Tanoa was a steal. And the Saints didn't have a lot of cap space and they needed to make some savvy moves. And guess what? Tanoa, savvy move, paid up. Alex Arma, Touchdown today. That looked pretty good for me. I thought he did good. So um, I, I think for me, savvy signings from a great front office. QB thoughts going forward. Having Taysom start would make him lose jack of all trade roles. Look, I get that, Zach, but I think that you have to start Taysom. I think that Taysom is the best option for this football team if Jameis does miss the rest of the season or whatever time Jameis does miss. And while it stinks because you lose that element, I think for, for the Saints, even when Taysom was in that element, what was this offense doing? They weren't doing much. And I think at least with Taysom, your ground attack should be lethal. And maybe you have to play some 80 smash mouth football, running the football and playing great defense. And is that weird to do that in the year 2021? Absolutely. But is Sean Payton adaptable as hell? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they're going to do, in my opinion. What tight ends do you see the Saints inquiring about about uh, before the deadline? I don't know necessarily that they're going to go after him. And I hope they don't. But I've seen Evan Ingram's name out there. I don't want Evan Ingram. If they can get a David Njoku, I think I'd rather have Njoku than Ingram. Uh, look, guys, you know I'm from New York. So I've seen Ingram fuck up a lot. And I really don't think that the Saints need that. But also, I will throw this in there real quick. Adam Troutman did not make big plays in the receiving game. But he had a block today on that Alvin Kamara touchdown. That was sensational. Absolutely sensational. Anyamata looked like a legit monster. Great having him back. Yeah, that's a key. And I thought one thing that the Saints did really well was they didn't give up consecutive big runs. Like, Fournette really didn't pop any off consistently. Bernard had one big run, and then you really didn't hear from the rest of the game. So I thought the Saints' D-line and the run game got so much better just because of Anyamata's presence. And that's huge. That's absolutely huge for this team. Jawan is a matchup man for DBs. Why aren't we getting into him? I think it's a delicate balance because I think when Jawan comes in, you're kind of showing your hand like you know you're going to pass the football if he's in there. And I think the Saints are trying to figure that out right now. But I think it also comes down to this isn't a team that really has been explosive in the passing attack. So it's kind of the situation that they put themselves in. And while I would love to see Juwan get more touches and I'd love to see Juwan get involved a little bit more, I kind of understand that this team really is in a weird spot passing attack wise. And I know that the time will come. There will be opportunities for Juwan. He's just got to make the most of them. But I don't think he's a consistent playmaker for this. If Rodgers comes next year and brings Adam, that solves Q. Yeah, look, look, that that is a dream scenario if, if Rodgers and Devontae Adams pull up to New Orleans next year. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. But that is a good situation to have. That wouldn't be bad at all. I know we can't afford him by any means. I'm not really asking for us to inquire him, but why uh, But why do you, uh, what do you think about OBJ would look like in Peyton's offense? It drives me crazy seeing the Browns wasting him. Look, I got, I got a couple of things about OBJ. I do not think OBJ is as bad as his numbers show right now. 
but I do not think OBJ is as good as fans make him out to be anymore. And the reason I say that is, and it's a concern because it makes me think about Michael Thomas now and I worry about that, OBJ had a really serious lower leg injury that just went under the rug. Like he got injured on a play against the Chargers a couple of years ago, and then ever since his burst hasn't been there. And while half of it's a, uh, a Browns problem, I just don't think OBJ and Baker jive well and it just doesn't work. I think that OBJ now is probably a wide receiver too in an offense. And now for the Saints, he would be a great upgrade. So I'm not saying the Saints shouldn't go after him, but I do think that OBJ for the price tag is a little expensive. Now, if the Saints go after him, I'm not going to complain. They need receivers. That'd be stupid of me to complain when, I mean, they're throwing the rock to uh, Traquan and Callaway and Deontay and Kevin White on the deep shot. So yeah, uh, they can obviously use an OBJ, but I do think that OBJ is a little, um, I would say his best days are behind him. That's what I would say. Now, the Saints can use him, but I think the best days are behind him. I would say this too. Since the price tag's heavy, I would inquire about a Darius Slayton or Andy Isabella or James Washington because they're cheaper. They are on teams that I think have depth and are willing to get rid of them. And I think that the Browns are willing to sacrifice this year to say it's going to work with OBJ, even though it's not. And I think if they were going to trade him already, they would have done it. So I don't know if it's going to happen. But obviously, I think he would look good in Sean Payton's offense. I thought Traquan looked good. Him and my, uh, Michael Long, Calway Harris, who had some really big catches. They could be more lethal than we think. It, it absolutely could. So that's the thing. When Michael Thomas comes back, everyone drops a peg. Traquan drops a peg. Callaway drops a peg. Deontay drops a peg. And that helps out all these guys. But I think for the Saints, you need to bank on Michael Thomas being great again. And Michael Thomas probably will still be really good. But I think it's unfair for Mike to come back and us be like, all right, 2019 Mike's here. That's unfair. And if you do that and he doesn't play up to 2019 Mike standards, then all of a sudden you got to recalibrate everything. So why not get another weapon and go for it? And, and again, when you go after another weapon, and let's say you get like a Darius Slayton. And I know I keep saying Darius Slayton, and you guys are probably wondering why, but he's been rumored, so let's just throw him out there. You get him. He doesn't cost you much. You have extra picks. And what's the worst? You are 5-2. and two. You're not punting on this season. You're competing this season. Why not add another weapon? Who the hell knows? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, the Titans two years ago benched Mariota, put in Tannehill, and then all of a sudden, I mean, they made the AFC Championship game. So who the hell knows what's going to happen, but go for it. Hey, Chris King. Hey, look, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, I, I will say this, guys. I, I say this every uh, live stream, though, but I love Saints Twitter. Like, nothing is better than getting to the point of the game starting because it is just live. It is just live. And, of course, Kevin White finally gets a catch from Jameis, goes down. Dude, unreal. And then it happened to start the second half, which is wild to me. I, I, it was funny because when Nick reported that Kevin White got activated, guys, I was sitting there pissing my pants from laughing at you guys just going nuts. Like, you guys were so mad that he got elevated. And, like, I get it. He's not good. But he had a catch today. I think they put up a graphic. It was, like, his first catch in a couple of years. And I was – it was just – it was funny. The Saints were the All-American rejects on offense today. It was, like, Alex Armo's first touchdown in a couple of years. Trevor Simeon's first touchdown in, like, a 1,000 days. Kevin White's first touchdown uh, – first catch, excuse me, in, in, in a couple of years. All-American rejects. But they got the W, and they beat Tom Brady in the Bucs, and that's all that matters. Is Nikhil Harry still being shopped? I think he is, but – I'm going to be honest, guys. I'm a little out on Nikhil Harry. Like, if I'm the Saints, I'm going to keep mentioning it. Slade and Washington, those are the guys I'm calling, and maybe Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella kind of fits the Saints mold, but I don't want Nikhil Harry. Like, Nikhil Harry can't learn the, the Patriots playbook, and he's been there for, like, three years now. I wouldn't want him, uh, in my opinion. Chris, we appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, I appreciate you guys as well, man. I, I, again, 
these live streams, obviously I do it. It's a way for me to kind of give my opinions and, and kind of vent, rant, or in this case, gloat, because, man, this was a really fun game, and I'm, I'm really stoked that the Saints won. But obviously it's nothing without you guys. If you guys don't come in here and you guys don't drop comments, it doesn't make it as fun. It doesn't make it as lively. And I, I love dropping the comments that you guys have uh, up on the screen. So before I log out, guys, if you have a couple more comments, drop them in. I'll do about two, three more before I wrap up. But, again, this was a really, really amazing game because not only do you go to 5-2, and two, I, I said it and I was talking with Ryan. I know you guys follow uh, that boy Wolf, which by the way, if you guys do not, please go follow Ryan. If Ryan's hilarious, but we were talking about which games we want the saints to win this year. And obviously you want them to win all of them. So I get that, but there's always one that, you know, that you really want badly. And th- this was one of them. I wanted badly. Me, me and Ryan talked about it. Like, yeah, we want the saints to beat the bucks badly. Like at least once, like I'll be, I'll be fine with them losing once at, on the road. Fine. Win this game. And they did. So I, I really do. You're my favorite podcaster, bro. Look forward to hearing your thoughts each week. You tell it like it is. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you giving me that comment and, and, you know, complimenting me on that. I don't think as highly of myself sometimes. Cause obviously we still got improved, got better, but I, I really do uh, appreciate you guys, uh, um, you know, sharing the love here on the podcast. A couple more. Last ran, I hate Troy Aikman. He shouldn't be allowed to call our games, period. Totally agree. Totally agree. Look, you want to actually real laugh real quick, guys? You want to you get a, a good? Go search up Troy Aikman's stats and then go search up Jay Cutler's stats. Jay Cutler has better stats than Troy Aikman. Now, I know that's not going to do much because Troy Aikman still has a nice, pretty job. But Troy Aikman is an overrated broadcaster. He was an overrated quarterback. And next time he calls the Saints game, I'm putting on mute. Or I might just live stream and, and, and call it for you guys because he really is just so damn annoying. Uh, and it's one thing to be against a team, but when you do it every single time, man, like I think this Saints team is very lovable and I know it's biased. You're talking about a dude who's podcasting. I got like Saints pictures behind me and Deadpool, but you know, I don't get it. I don't get the hate for this team. Chris, do you think Ian book comes back next week and starts? I do not think Ian book starts next week. I do not know if he will be, um, you know, dressed, but I think that the Saints have to consider maybe activating him because you never know when shit hits the fan. So I would activate him. I do not think he starts, though. What do you think it takes for us to be a Super Bowl contender? So, that's a good question. So, this might take a minute, but I'll be on here a little bit longer than I thought. Actually, let me get a one more, and then I'll end with that. I'll end with the Super Bowl contender one. Braylon. Thoughts on seeing Jameis dancing in the locker room post-game? Such a positive energy guy, even with the injury. I love it. And I think when Jameis does that, it keeps the team upbeat, and you don't have this doom and gloom, and you feel like, man, I want to win for this dude. I want to rally around this dude. So, I think that... It's good. And for Jameis, by the way, God bless him. Because I know if I were in his shoes, I would feel devastated. I would probably be kind of in off to my corner. But he's there for his teammates. And I don't want to get emotional. I'm not going to get emotional here. But it, it really does. It, it makes me very happy. I, when, I, when I saw that video, I was, I was like just – I was smiling like an idiot because that when you, you – you play a team that you want to beat really bad and you get hurt. And it stinks because you get hurt on a dirty hit, by the way, on a dirty play, horse collar, and, and you basically blow out your knee. For you to come back and you to just rally around your teammates and you be there to celebrate with them, I love it. And I think it's a testament to who he is now. He's matured so much. I'm very proud of the maturity that Jameis Winston has made over the last couple of years. And I think for the team, you see that and you're like, man, I want to win for this dude. And whether he's at quarterback or he's going to be on the sidelines watching the rest of the season, I don't care what it is. That energy, it's a double shot of espresso right there. And that gets you going. And I love it. So kudos to him. I thought that was great. Any possibility for a post-game suspension for, for Devin White? I don't think so. Devin White made some suspicious plays today, though. I mean, he just flies like a you know, heat-seeking missile, so I get it. 
but I do not think he's going to get suspended. I do not. But if they did, wouldn't mind it, but I don't think he will. Jameis going to Jameis. Got to love him. Absolutely. So let me finish with this, guys, and then I'll wrap up. Let you guys enjoy the rest of your night. By the way, thank you for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And we're going to do another one uh, later this week to preview the Falcons, talk about the quarterback situation, but also on the flip side, want to talk about the um, Falcons game. When that happens, I'll be here live to talk about it. What do the Saints need to do to be a Super Bowl contender? And how do the Saints kind of move from here? Um, kind of a two-parter with Taysom and Trevor. So kind of just combine everything. What do the teams do from here? What do they move from here? Are they a Super Bowl contender? How can they be a Super Bowl contender? I think it's two things. I think for the Saints, the defense has to continue playing this well. And I think when you make the playoffs, the old defense wins championship stuff, it kind of dies a little bit now in today's NFL because it's such an offensive game. But at the root of this game, you always have a chance to win a football game if you have a great defense. I don't care what anyone says. And on the flip side, you will not always have a chance to win the game if you have a great offense because you guys know the Saints with a great offense in 2014 and 2015 and 2016 and I could go through 2012 and all these great years, they missed the playoffs and they had a great offense. And why? Because sometimes you have an off day on offense. If your defense is always playing well, you're going to be in a game. You absolutely will. So what do they need to do to be a Super Bowl contender? The defense has to keep playing well. I think the ground game has to take that next step, and I think they are taking that next step. You're seeing them getting a little bit more consistent. And even when they're not running the ball well, Sean's not going away from the run. He is putting it down the other team's throat because he knows he has to establish that dominance, establish that run. That's two. Michael Thomas needs to come back. This Saints team cannot win a Super Bowl without a wide receiver one. And Michael Thomas needs to come back. And Michael Thomas needs to be Michael Thomas. Does he need to be 2019 Michael Thomas? No. Does he need to be 2018 or 2017 Michael Thomas? Yes. If you can do that, that takes you to the next level. All of a sudden, not only do you have a great ground game, you have a wide receiver one. And your wide receiver one already takes the pressure off of wide receiver two, three, and four. You see where I'm going here. What else do you need? This is the most important one. You and 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 actually, it's not the most second most important one. You need your quarterback to play turnover free football. Sheamus was doing that. Now it's up to Taysom. Taysom, if he's a starter, and this is me assuming he will be, you need to play turnover free football. Turnovers can happen from time to time. It's part of the game. But Sheamus had three picks through week eight. Taysom's got to take care of the football. He just has to. You got to avoid sloppy mistakes. You got to not have timely turnovers. Those are big. A turnover on the game, maybe you can get over. A turnover late in crunch time, that'll probably be a back a backbreaker. So that's important. Now, the fifth thing, and man, this team hasn't had it, and it'd be funny if this is the year that they do. Sometimes you got to have luck in this game. It's as complicated as football can be, it can be simple in, this, in the fact that the ball sometimes does and sometimes doesn't bounce your way. And for the last four years, it has not bounced the Saints' ways. But if it does bounce their way, who the hell knows what's going to happen? So we'll see. Chris, I just asked Drew if his phone was ringing on Sunday Night Football. I just missed that. I'm going to go back and rewind it, actually. That seems pretty funny. But, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I appreciate all you guys who came in the comment section. Drop some love. Drop your comments. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a fantastic Halloween. hope you guys enjoyed the Saints beating Tom Brady and the Bucks without QB1, without QB2, with QB3, because that was pretty damn awesome. Five and two, looking as a playoff team. We'll see where they go from here. Obviously, be you know, brace for the, you know, Jameis Winston news. It's probably not going to be great. Heart pours out from though. I think this team's going to rally around it. I think this team is a threat, and I'm feeling good about it. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate you guys leaving your comments. I wish you guys all the best. Stay tuned later this week on the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'll have a preview of the Falcons game, and we'll see if the Saints can keep it going. But enjoy your victory Monday, guys. I know I will, and I'll talk to you guys on Twitter later tonight. So enjoy the rest of your night, guys. Have a great week, and let's hope the Saints can keep this thing rolling because they're 5-2. and two. And it doesn't stop here. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast.